A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. ...can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, if you were starting to get a little concerned about how dry we were today, we'll help correct that. Pam Yonke along with you. Welcome in. It is a Thursday, the 8th day of April, and it's going to be a rainy day at that. Cloudy skies could even see some heavy rain today. 63 are expected high. Tomorrow, a little cooler. Rainy and 59. Saturday, some clouds. 61. Sunday, Clouds and 62. Now, granted, these temperatures are cooler than what we've known over the past couple of days, but still well above average for this time in April. We'll talk weather with Stumacher Ag Meteorologist coming up. We need you and your rain gauge. It's time for the Rural Mutual Rainfall Report, and we need you to text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from, because every month we'll pick a winner that will get a digital weather station, courtesy of the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Well, it pains me, but I'm also really excited for this next story because this week is our very own Caitlin Riley's last week. So, Caitlin, we'll toss it to you in just a second because from what I understand, you've got a story that is talking about safety. And this is uh, certainly a time of the year where safety is a big concern on the farm because we're getting the equipment out of the shed. We're going to be running around in the fields. And uh, I just want to tell you how much I have enjoyed working with you. And with that, I will toss it your way. Well, thank you, Josh. And of course, it's always been a joy to join these conversations, connecting our farmers across this network that we have with the Midwest Farm Report. And part of that, like you said, is sharing the story of safety, getting that message out there. Throughout my time with the Midwest Farm Report, I've got to chat quite a bit with Janet Davidson. She's an education content specialist for the Progressive Agriculture Foundation. And one thing that she wanted to note is, like you said, Josh, right now we're getting busy, getting ready to go out in the field, but our kids are also getting busy. They are cooped up during COVID. Now the weather is nice again. They want to run around and play and invite their friends onto the farm. But do they have a designated area where they know they can be safe from equipment or even livestock? We need to remember that, you know, when we go to a local places, maybe it's our local park or we send our children to school and they have a play area or a playground, we expect a certain amount of safety and we trust that that play area is going to be safe. But sometimes we, we get a little lax on what's happening in our own backyard and maybe not so quick to correct or fix things that may be broken. Um, and it can be really hazardous to our children. So I think uh, we need to keep in mind and our friends at the National Children's Center for Rural and Agricultural Health and Safety, they're out of uh, Marshfield, Wisconsin, Marshfield Clinic. You know, they have created some really great guidelines to create safe play areas on farms and even just in general. So I think it's a good time to reflect on that and and start to up our safety game in our backyards and on our farms uh, when we have our children out to play. So a few quick tips to keep in mind is when you're creating a safe play area, you know, we want to pick a location that has limited exposure to hazards like heavy traffic areas, 
agricultural production and environmental concerns. So thinking about that, we want to have an area, though, that is still within sight of uh, responsible adults. So there's always that adequate adult supervision on the farm because we are all busy and we're probably doing different tasks, but we still want to keep that child, you know, within eyesight so we can always make sure that they are safe. Make sure that when we're, we're picking um, activities or play areas that they are developmentally appropriate for that child's age. Not really always have that mentality. We're going to go bigger and they can always grow into it. Maybe we want to start smaller for their age and we can always add on. I know there's a lot of even play areas out there now where you can actually change or add to as, as the child grows. So that's always important. And then keep it away, you know, from anything environmentally, structurally, um, machine-related hazards, which I cannot already mention, but things like loud noise and poor air quality and just lack of shade because kids are out there playing. They're out there for hours at a time. And, you know, we want to make sure we're, of course, coating them with sunscreen, but shade, shaded areas are important too so they don't get too hot. We want to make sure that we're always designating boundaries and have physical barriers in place. So like a fence, you know, something where the children will easily know that this is their safe space, this is their safe play area. And when they step outside, then there could be that opportunity for additional um, dangers or hazards in that, that working farm area. We want to have protective ground surfacing that's going to minimize fall-related incidents because kids, as they like to run back and forth, or maybe side to side or different activities, you know, there's always that chance that they could fall. So something, if, if they fall, they're going to be um, safe or minimal injuries can occur. A couple other things, you know, make sure that the children can experience physical, emotional, social, and intellectual development activities. Those are always important to kind of consider when we're plotting out what we want this safe play area to look like. And just always make sure that we are keeping up with our maintenance, making sure that we are mowing the grass, we're removing the snow, and then, like I said earlier, examining that play area on a regular basis, because over the winter, you know, Mother Nature, uh, there might be some wear and tear, things that need corrected or other things that could present a risk for that child. So always, you know, be doing just like we do with our equipment, you know, to make sure we're safe. Do a walk, walk about of the equipment used in the play area to make sure your children are safe. Also, the need, again, for us as adults and parents, grandparents, to always be role modeling and always sending the correct message. So just a good example of that is putting children in potentially what we think is safe situations, but it sends the message that could put them in an unsafe situation. So I talk about that when we think about sandboxes. We see at farm shows and, and a lot of places, maybe it's at the pumpkin patches here in the fall or other events taking place, folks switching out sand with corn. For both children that live on a farm or visit on the farm, that can give them that feeling that they're safe if they are in grain when really grain is like quicksand. And so it can be very, very hazardous, that messaging. But then also, a lot of times when we're putting corn in there and other things like that that are feed for animals, that also invites, you know, different pests. And that also leads to just germs and other illnesses. So that's another negative with that replacing the sand and the sandboxes. So it's just important to always, again, make sure that we're thinking about that. And even I love seeing them. I think they're so creative and neat, these farm-themed playsets that they encourage climbing and playing on equipment with the likeness of tractors and silos and harvesters and other cool things. But again, that could also sometimes send an unsafe message to children. So I think it's just important, again, we're always 
talking to children about safety and making sure we're, we're keeping that at the forefront so they wouldn't get confused. And one thing I'm really glad that you noted was you were talking about boundaries, you know, make sure that this is a section that the children know that's safe for them to play, but also that the adults know that more than likely there are going to be children running around in that area and be wary. I know growing up on a farm, there was tractors and skid loaders moving in and out of our driveway, and we needed to know where we should be so that we could keep ourselves and our family safe. Exactly. And and another thing that's scary, and we probably didn't see this as much again last year just due to um, COVID limitations, but we have a lot of children that not necessarily live on farms, but visit farms. You know, maybe it's friends of the children that live on farms. Maybe it's events that go on at, at a farm, you know, and the different festivals and such. But I think some of the most recent data shows that about 23.8 million youth have visited farms across the United States annually in, in a recent year. So, you know, you take that in mind and, and a child that maybe grew up with agriculture around them on a day-to-day basis, they learn to have that respect for that job, that it is a busy workplace. But children that visit, they see that equipment, they see those animals, and that is like a whole amusement park to them. And so being able to create another safe space that also is appealing with activities and play a play area that is going to be entertaining for them is really important. Absolutely. You know, I can't tell you how many times my friends, I when I was younger, bring them out to the farm and I have to say, no, no, wait, that's an electric fence, things like that. Where, like you said, we as farm kids growing up, we know them. We know where those things are and we know what we should and shouldn't grab. But we need to remember when we have our friends come out there who didn't grow up on farms, we kind of need to be their tour guides through those. That's certainly true. Yes, because they look at the farm with a new, fresh set of eyes. They're curious. They want to see how these these farm practices work, what's with the large equipment, animals. And, you know, sometimes it's not only dangerous them being in the path of those on a day-to-day basis, but also not being visible. You mentioned earlier, you know, there's so many blind spots when you're in equipment, moving it, especially during busy times like the spring planting season and fall harvest. And a child, they may think they're being seen, but that driver cannot see them at all. So that's something very scary too. Or children even playing, like you think about playing hide and seek, maybe you want to play in a crop or or play around where somebody may be working in that area and they just don't see you. We hear, we hear far too often. It's so sad about incidents that, you know, just were occurring because the child was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And one great way to reach children and also to get safety resources home to parents, whether you're talking about specific play areas, maybe you're talking about wearing a helmet and maybe you're talking about burn safety is these progressive agriculture safety days that the progressive agriculture foundation hosts and i know this past year has been different but i was so excited jana because last month when we chatted you said after april 1st you are transitioning to in-person safety days and i know it's still very early now that we're chatting but how are things looking things are looking great we have um, an amazing safety committee that has been in place that has been meeting monthly sometimes weekly to discuss this and really put plans in place so we're again keeping safe and safety and health at the forefront and a top priority for our coordinators but um, I don't have any reservations at all I think our I think the kids are excited to go back I think um, our coordinators are excited to go back 
And I think that they are going to, you know, again, keep their event as safe and as healthy as possible and abide by all those rules and uh, best practices and guidelines that we put in place. So we're super excited. As I was telling you uh, before we we were on air today, it really is going to be a different spring compared to 2020. I think everybody was just scrambling, like, what is this new normal? And and now it's feeling like we are going to go back. It will look differently. You know, we are going to have things like masks in place, social distancing, maybe not as many props as we've had in the past or as much as touching or passing things around because we want to make sure we're cleaning those as much as we can. But it's going to be back. And that's a big thing. And I think it's only going to uh, get better from there. And hopefully next year, it's, it's even in more of a full swing. Once again, that's Shanna Davidson. She's an education content specialist for the Progressive Agriculture Foundation. And if you're looking for more information about possibly hosting a safety day or maybe want some more information about finding safe places for your children, you can find all that information on their website. It's progressiveag.org. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Kate and Riley. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Compere Financial helped us get into our forever home. They helped me expand more than acreage. And helped our dairy grow for the next generation. At Compere Financial, we see potential in every plan. Our focus on exceptional client experience is at the heart of everything we do. And our financial team will help make every step easy and convenient. See why our clients trust us to make their goals possible. Compere Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. And MLS number 619731, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Our traffic laws are important safety rules designed to protect all of us. Sometimes, though, even if you do everything right, another driver may break those rules. Clifford and Rihala knows how often negligent drivers break the rules, how drunk or distracted drivers cause serious injuries and millions of dollars in other losses every year. While no one can eliminate the risk from negligent drivers, there are important steps you should take after a crash to protect yourself from additional harm. If you've been injured, you need skilled attorneys who have the knowledge and experience to help you recover all of your losses. At Clifford and Rihala, we help people who have been hurt when someone else breaks the rules. We'll be there for you to help make things right. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. The River Food Pantry, Dane County's busiest food pantry, celebrates 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. The River's Birthday Bash is Saturday, May 15th, with music, raffles, food, drinks, and goodie bags all served curbside. You'll take home a beautiful meal, enjoy music, a wine pole, and raffle, all from the safety of your car, and all while supporting Dane County families facing food insecurity. Go to riverfoodpantry.org for tickets. Celebrating 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. Riverfoodpantry.org. Because we know your barn smells like money. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Little light rain already in the area, depending on where you are as you start a Thursday morning. Time to talk weather. Stu Ag meteorologist, joining us live this morning. Yeah, I mentioned to you just a minute ago, hardly even worth using the windshield wipers on my way in this morning. Are other people getting a little bit more, though? There is more rain. I mean, you look in the far southwest part of the state down uh, Oh, just 
off that southwest corner of Wisconsin into Iowa, northwest Illinois. The rain looks a little heavier, and there's more rain off in far north-central Wisconsin and back to the west, southwest Minnesota, western Iowa. This upper low is still slowly today uh, progressing up through parts of Iowa. It heads up toward the Twin Cities yet for tomorrow, so it's going to keep curling some rain into the area. Rain will continue to fall at that occasional shower or thunderstorm around today, overnight, and even into the day Friday. Temperatures also start to cool somewhat, getting a bit more like normal as we head on toward the weekend. But I do expect additional rains today, easily another quarter to half inch in many areas. Well, lacrosse, that would be the first new rain out of this. But let's hope we all get something to measure. I'll have forecast details right after this. Farmers understand the power and the value of the sun. They understand return on investment. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is an opportunity to get rid of that energy bill. Farmers understand taking expenses away. They just get it. It's the difference between renting and owning. You are renting your energy currently, okay? Own your energy. It's a no-brainer. You are going to have that energy bill. You're going to. It's a known expense that every farm has. Put a solar field in, put a solar system in, and now make your own energy. It's a business decision, just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. You should reach out to us, and we will come out to look at your farm for a very specialized, specific quote for you. Even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Farming is tough enough, as you know. Your 2021 Planted Acres report doesn't have to be. With TopCon's data management platform, TAP, you can submit your Planted Acres report right from your computer. And you don't have to have any TopCon gear in your tractors. Signing up is free. And TopCon's TAP can handle your planting data electronically from any of the major planting solutions available. Learn more at CropReporting.com. It's that easy. All righty, Stu, let's have that forecast for today. All right, I wanted to mention rain quick. 12 hundredths of an inch in Madison. A lot of us here in Fond du Lac, around two-tenths over right on the eastern edge of Fond du Lac County Banner, 59 hundredths of an inch. Today, of course, expect a cloudy day. Scattered showers and even some thunderstorms that could roll in toward midday or on into the afternoon could push some heavier rainfall amounts. Quarter to half inch possibility today. Mid-60s and the south winds at 5 to 15. Mostly cloudy, a few showers, maybe a thunderstorm last into the night into the upper 40s for lows, south winds at 5 to 10. Mostly cloudy on Friday, scattered showers still around, another tenth of an inch or so. Upper 50s, southeast winds at 5 to 10. Saturday, mostly cloudy, a small chance of a little afternoon rainfall, a hit or miss shower. Uh, call it 55, 56 degrees, maybe a little bit warmer in the west. Southwest winds become northwest Saturday. And even Sunday, Pam, at best in the mid or upper 50s, maybe a sprinkly shower. Mm. So slowly improving. Are we going to bounce back up into the 70s next week, Stu? No, no. We hold a little on the cooler side, Pam. That's unfortunate, I think, for next week. Probably low 50s, which actually is by that time a little below normal, but only a degree or so below. Nothing drastic. All right. We'll take that. Thanks, buddy. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. All right. See you then. Stumach is our ag meteorologist with weather details that you're looking for. Speaking of weather, again, we remind you as this rain moves in, I need your rainfall reports right here on the farm show. Uh, you can talk or text me anytime. 
with the details on the rainfall. Remember, tell me where you're at and how much rain you've got. The talk text line is 877-301-FARM. Again, that number, keep it, 877-301-3276. And even if it's not about rainfall, if you've got a question, if you want to talk to me, that's the way to do it. Talk or text me now. Matt Trannell coming up after we head towards the bottom of the hour. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection, a name you can trust when service is a must. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection is here 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for all your residential and commercial plumbing services. From installation, repairs, and maintenance to complete sewer and drain cleaning, we've got you covered. Visit MononaPFP.com. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection, a name you can trust when service is a must. Impressive. The roofing, gutter, siding, and window team transform the look of your home. Superior service without compromising. Online at prairieexteriors.com. Prairie Exteriors. Now that's impressive. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. The second draw of PPP funding is underway. We continue our efforts to assist businesses regardless of their previous banking relationships. Our application process is fast and efficient. Speed matters when there are limited funds available in the program. Stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Opportunity Lender. The River Food Pantry, Dane County's busiest food pantry, celebrates 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. The River's Birthday Bash is Saturday, May 15th, with music, raffles, food, drinks, and goodie bags all served curbside. You'll take home a beautiful meal, enjoy music, a wine pull, and raffle, all from the safety of your car, and all while supporting Dane County families facing food insecurity. Go to riverfoodpantry.org for tickets. Celebrating 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. Riverfoodpantry.org. They come, but once a year, get ready to celebrate. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yankee here for McFarland's in the heart of Sauk City, 780 Carolina Street, or online, McFarland's.net. I'm talking about Customer Appreciation Days, April 6th through the 10th, with specials going on every day in the store. Crazy good deals on things like Carhartt, Milwaukee Tools, and more. Find the details at McFarland's.net, or better yet, head to the store. 780 Carolina Street, right there in the heart of Sauk City. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year... We'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, 
and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. In Wisconsin, recent crash data show that someone is injured or killed in a crash involving an inattentive driver every 46 minutes. Cell phones usually make our lives easier, but when they're misused, serious harm can result. Drivers who read and send text messages while they drive endanger all of us and can cause catastrophic injuries. At Clifford and Rihala, we help people who have been injured by distracted drivers, and we know how common that negligence is. Clifford and Rihala urges you, please don't text while you drive. By making smart choices on the road, you can protect yourself and help prevent crashes. If you've been injured by a distracted driver, call us. We'll help you. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. So obviously there was pressure from that standpoint, especially when you put it on yourself saying stuff like that. Yeah, we have comments from Barry Alvarez about the coaching side of things. Uh, First, I'm curious. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey, what's up? Hey, one second. Just put you right on hold there, brother. All right, so on being a coach... You enjoy that steel reserve, Charles. On being a coach, here is Barry Alvarez talking about he had confidence, Rowdy. To your point, you know, having the cojones to come in to turn around the program, here he is. I just always had that confidence. I didn't, I really never thought of, is that something I have to do to get the program turned or to win? But I know this, as a leader, you better show confidence to all those that they're working for you and all those that are playing for you. If you're not confident, no one's confident. That's a great point. If the man on top, the man on top of the mountain is not confident, if the man in the arena is not confident, then people can see around him, and that kind of bleeds out, right? It's like, well, he's not confident. He's the guy doing it. What confidence will I have? you got to be out there. you got to command a room like Barry Alvarez does. Here's more from – Yeah, if you can't have confidence in yourself, then no one should have confidence in you. Spot on, Rowdy. Here's more on Alvarez on his uh, ultimate plan when he took the head coach job here at Wisconsin. I told Pat Richter when I interviewed for the job, he asked me to lay out my my future. I had no uh, specific school that was a dream job. I wanted to go someplace like my coach did at Nebraska, build it, sustain it, take over as athletic director, and – continue to sustain it so that was always my ultimate plan and more from Alvarez on how he wants to be remembered I'd like for him to remember me as the guy that backed up what he promised and I also want to thank him I love Wisconsin I love the fans they've been great to me and also he talks about (laughs) I like how someone asked him this on how he would um or of not let's see here it was whether he'll miss being important (laughs) I read a quote by my wife. She said, I like to be important. (laughs) Everybody likes to have an audience. 
Well, maybe everybody doesn't. I do. You know, I'm going to miss being around the people. That's what I miss most when I left coaching. Uh, you, you lose the closeness and the relationships you have with the players and your assistant coach. Now, I've- I don't think he'll lose any importance, whether yeah. he retires or stayed as the athletic director. I'm pretty sure he'll be just fine. I mean, look at some of the past players. Look at just Ron Dane, in case you yeah. He hasn't been relevant in Madison for over 20 years. You could, you don't even have to be a Ron Dane. You can be, you can be someone that you know just as known in the state of Wisconsin, or even just in Madison. And people move back or stay here, and they have a, they flourish in whatever career path they choose. You know, like, like Matt Bernstein. That guy, that guy just walks around here, and he's like, "I'm Matt Bernstein," and he's like, "I remember you that Penn State game." And he brings he, people gravitate towards him. You know what I'm saying, Rowdy? All right, uh, one more on. Barry Alvarez here talking about his favorite moment as a football coach. There's nothing like the first Rose Bowl. I I love the Rose White. That'll be hard to beat. Although going to Tokyo to win a game to clinch that was right there with it. That was pretty special. Oh, and one more. I want to talk. I want him to say this. Why he loves Wisconsin. University of Wisconsin gave me a great opportunity, great vehicle. The people in this state have been great to me. The university, people at the university have been wonderful. Cindy and I and and, and our family have been able to do what we wanted to do. We wanted to put roots down and find a call place home. We've done that here. And I appreciate everything all of them have done and, and the support that they've given me. I love this place. Yeah, I mean, where's bread's buttered, right? I don't know if you knew this. His grandson even plays for the team. It's pretty cool. Both of them. <laughs> Both of them did. You see all those trophies in that picture? My God. Barry Alvarez surrounded by those trophies. That was uh, crazy. Oh, I, do, I have one more comment. Sorry. All right. Alvarez proud of what his people have accomplished. And if you looked at the press conference, he was surrounded by like a million trophies. It's very satisfying. So no, I think Mark Johnson might be the only head coach that I didn't hire in his staff. And to see what they were able to accomplish, what our student athletes were able to accomplish by doing it the right way, and to see that much success, it just makes me feel proud. I just want to bust my buttons. I'm so proud of what what my people have accomplished. Yeah, it was uh, very impressive, that picture. So there you go, Barry Alvarez on June 30th will be retired. End of an era. Hell of an era. And Rowdy, we went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. We went from Pat Richter to Barry Alvarez. The question is, what's Jordan Love after Rodgers? And what is maybe Chris McIntosh after Barry Alvarez? More, as they say, will be revealed. If your workout includes bailing hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, we could actually see some heavy rains at times today. 63 are expected high. Tomorrow we cool down to 59 and still more rain in the forecast. By Saturday we start drying out around 61. Sunday cloudy skies, 62 degrees. But we're still ahead of average as far as temperatures are concerned. We just kind of got spoiled earlier this week with those temperatures in the 70s. I'm PM Yankee. Now from Landmark Services Cooperative Agri News Desk, here's what's happening on a Thursday. And don't forget, stick around. Matt Trannell with EverAg down in Platteville is going to be joining us live in about 15 minutes. Big gains yesterday in dairy. Fluid milk contracts, product prices were all up. What's going on there? Matt's going to bring us the latest news on that when he joins us live in just a little bit. So today is Thursday, April 8th. So on this day, back in 2005, over 4 million people paid their last respects to one of the most popular popes we have ever seen, Pope John Paul II. 
a native of Poland, he traveled the world and gained friends wherever he went. On this day, back in 2005, more than 4 million people say goodbye to Pope John Paul II. Well, we're saying hello to an awful lot of dairy advocates coming up on Wednesday, April 14th. It's the virtual Dairy Day at the Capitol. Amy Penterman is a dairy farmer herself and president of the Dairy Business Association, and she says it's really critical, especially at this time of the year, that dairy farmers, dairy advocates, and agribusinesses speak up about the issues that are important to Wisconsin's dairy industry. You know, we really want to focus on sustainable transportation funding, We want to see the continued funding for the Dairy Hub because that's our innovation, that's our future in our dairy industry, and to keep it in Wisconsin. Uh, You know, we've got goals for water quality and just make sure, you know, climate change is always the key word right now. And how can farmers show our lawmakers what we're already doing and what's out in the future that we will be doing, that we're already making efforts for our environment and how far we've come, and just open their eyes to see what producers are already doing. And then, of course, you know, with our CAFO farms, we need to talk about, you know, where we're at, where our um, regulations are, where we're moving forward with that. And there's just a lot of exciting opportunities for us just to showcase what farmers have been doing and just to let them know. Amy Penterman, a dairy farmer herself and president of the Dairy Business Association. Again, it's Wednesday, April 14th, the virtual Dairy Day at the Capitol. And you are welcome to join them from 8.30 in the morning till 12.30 in the afternoon. Their virtual Dairy Day will involve not only talking with state leaders, but also federal leaders. The event is absolutely complimentary to attend. Again, 8.30 in the morning till 12.30 in the afternoon, Dairy Day at the Capitol. Find more at dairyforward.com. You know, we talked a little bit about the issues that Wisconsin Dairy is paying attention to. One item is moving. The State Assembly Committee on Agriculture approved legislation that's aimed at stopping misleading labeling of imitation dairy and meat products. They approved two bills that look to ban the labeling of food as milk or as dairy product or ingredient if the food isn't made from the milk of a cow or another hooved mammal. A third bill would essentially do the same for meat products. Now, the final approval still is in the hands of the full Assembly and the full Senate, and even if it is approved, some other states would have to come in with us on that to become law in Wisconsin under federal interstate commerce rules. So that is exactly one one of the big issues they want you to discuss during Dairy Day at the Capitol. Also, water quality front and center for a lot of funding in Wisconsin. What many people don't realize is there is a lot of voluntary efforts happening in the state to try to make sure our waste nutrient, our manure, stays on the fields, is used properly, and is managed wisely. One group that can tell you how they're working with volunteers is the Pipe Creek Watershed. That's in Fond du Lac County. I visited earlier this week with Zach Laughlin and Melanie Kelmerton, both watershed outreach coordinators in Fond du Lac County, about the Pipe Creek Watershed Project that's bringing together larger dairies in that area with landowners to make sure that they're utilizing the nutrient and keeping it on the soil. Melanie Kelmerton explained a little bit more about the project currently underway. Yeah, so right now in the Pipe Creek watershed with two farmers that we have participating, they've each committed 225 acres over the course of three years to get manure applied on those fields every year 
while also trying to manage not tilling those fields and doing cover crops on those fields every year. Melanie, what were those fields previously used for? Were they conventional crops? Are they uh, set aside? Tell me a little bit about the farmers cooperating and offering their land. Yep, so those fields were conventionally operated prior to this uh, grant project. And so the whole kind of overarching goal of this project is to do really a complete 180 and flip those fields to a different style of management and see how everything, all those moving parts that come into play when you're talking about managing manure, managing crops, and trying to protect water quality and improve soil health, how does that all play together when we take fields that were normal corn silage, soybeans, alfalfa, no cover crops, chisel plowed, regular manure application, and do something completely different? What have the landowners said to you, Melanie? I mean, that's, that is a pretty abrupt change going from, I'll say, cash crops to now cover crops, and my only source of income might be this cost-share money. Yeah, yeah, they were definitely ready to launch and open to this type of arrangement, but they were, as any person would be when faced with a, a huge change from what they're normally doing, had a lot of different questions, a lot of different reservations, and part of this grant that's actually written into the grant is let's do this and let's identify what the barriers are and then what those solutions to those barriers could be. So like, for instance, one of the very first things that came up that was really kind of nerve wracking about this grant is, well, what if we have a really wet fall and we have, you know, ruts in our field and like, what does that look like then? And really our response was the field as a whole is a no tillage field then from here moving forward. But if there are like very damaging ruts in that field that need to be addressed, there can be like, type band-aid sort of uh, tillage mechanisms that go on to smooth those those very bad areas over or does time heal that type of wound and will the soil health type practices and this conversion to this type of practice help to address those ruts over time so that's one example of kind of a a nerve-wracking item and sort of the different kind of solutions or things we're weighing as we're moving forward through this grant and Fall was very kind to us in 2020, so we really did not have that issue come up yet. But if it does come up, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how field management goes and, and what types of solutions are are decided upon or tried. How many total total acres have been committed to this pilot project? 450 in Pipe wow. Creek Watershed of Fond du Lac County, and then another 600 and something in Outagamie County in a different watershed in the same basin, but uh, smaller different watersheds. Melanie Kelmerton, along with her counterpart, Zach Laughlin, both watershed outreach coordinators for the Pipe Creek watershed in Fond du Lac County. So quite a number of acres that have been dedicated towards making sure that dairies are working hand in glove with local landowners so that our nutrients are staying on the land and out of the water. I'm going to touch base with them from time to time, make sure that we're following just exactly what's going on with those type of watershed projects. We're catching up with our friend Matt Trannell from Ever Ag in just a moment. 
In overnight electronic trade this morning, I can tell you December corn up just a half at 486. November beans are actually down three and a half right now at 1267. We've got July wheat that's currently four cents higher at 620. The dairy markets yesterday were very active. Barrel cheese was up a nickel at 158. 40 pound block cheese up a penny and a half at a dollar 80. Double A butter that dropped a penny and three quarters at 181 and a half per pound. Fluid milk contracts uh, yesterday, June milk was up 43 cents. July milk was up 42 cents. In overnight trade, it looks like some of that heat has cooled. May milk right now is down 13 cents at 1905 100 weight. But still, something must have been going on to inspire those kinds of jumps when it comes to fluid milk prices and product prices. What's going on? Matt Trannell's going to try to explain. He's joining us next live from Everag in Platteville. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Gear up for spring and finally get started on those projects you've been thinking about tackling all winter. Blaine's Farm and Fleet has all the supplies you'll need to get the job done right, like Carlisle trailer, ag, lawn and garden, and ATV tires. Their cutting-edge technology, product performance, and quality keeps your equipment moving along. Pick up a 100-gallon L-shaped liquid transfer tank on sale $349.99. Save $35 on an Easy 8 12 volt DC 8 gallons per minute transfer pump on sale $219.99. Take $20 off Hopkins brake controller products and pick up a 5 gallon pail of Mystic JTH super heavy duty diesel oil just $39.99 after $20 mail in rebate. Plus, check out these great doorbuster deals men's and women's Carhartt workwear pocket tees just two for $25. And Farm and Fleet 25-pound bags of traditional cat litter, two for $8. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Do you suffer from chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Is sleep a struggle? Hi, my name is Tim O'Brien, owner of The Healthy Place. CBD has been working for my customers. While you have probably heard about me talking about CBD, I am on a mission to continue to educate on this natural alternative. We carry one of the largest and most reputable selections of CBD products in southern Wisconsin. Our AMM CBD certified wellness consultants are on the cutting edge of CBD knowledge and are trained to find the right brand and potency for your relief. Whether you're suffering from chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, or sleep problems, CBD works. With dozens of high quality CBD products and brands to choose from, we can find you relief at a price point as low as a dollar a day. Visit one of our four Madison-based locations. Enjoy our live chat feature on our website. Check us out online with free shipping at findyourhealthyplace.com and free same-day delivery for our Dane County customers. The Healthy Place. You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I want to thank Dennis for using our talk text line this morning. He called in nine-tenths of an inch of rain. Uh, remember, I welcome your rainfall reports anytime during the day or night. Whenever you get past it, you can talk or text the same number, 877-301-FARM. Again, talk or text 877 301 
3276. Thanks so much for that. Boy, I really appreciate Matt Trennell joining us this morning with Everegg out of Platteville. They've got a, a educational summit that's been going on that started last night. So starting early this morning with a full day ahead, uh, definitely not necessarily what he expected, but I appreciate it, Matt. And one of the reasons why I wanted you here, what went on yesterday? We saw fluid milk contracts go uh, big time up. Product prices were strong. What am I missing? Yeah, so class three prices, uh, there's a lot of months, uh, basically May through July, May through August, we're nearing or above $19 per hundredweight. And a lot of that has to do with not only a world market that saw a positive GDT event, mainly in the uh, powders, but We've also seen a strong whey contract in the United States here as of late. Uh, right now, we have whey trading about $0.66 cents, uh, per pound. Uh, typically, they say a penny in whey is worth about $0.06 cents in the Class 3. And if you go back about eight months, uh, you're looking at whey trading around $0.33. Cents. So basically, in the last eight months, whey has doubled. And doing the math on that, that's worth about a dollar ninety in class three price. So a lot of that has done, has been the case because of the world markets, but uh, we've seen really really good demand on whey. Uh, primarily started out of uh, the Chinese hog herd. They were repopulating some of their buildings, and uh, a lot of the infant uh, piglets use uh, whey as some of their uh, some of their starter feed, you could say. And uh, that's been that's been a huge driving force for us on the class three. Uh, we have heard that uh, African swine fever is now running fairly rampant again. Once once again in China, uh, last statistics I saw uh, said about 20 percent of the hog herd was affected by the African swine fe- fever again. But uh, that's that's been a that's been a huge piece uh, to uh product markets and also uh class three particular contracts interesting now i'm curious are you hearing anything more on the 400 million dollars in federal monies for the food box program or whatever we're calling it this time around has that hit the market yet matt uh so there was talk there was talk a little while ago regarding uh dairy donation program and that actually happened uh late march uh, actually, while I was in Sioux Falls, uh, USDA reaffirmed that they were going to use the food box, or not the food box, but the dairy donation program. Uh, they haven't fully come out and said all of the specifics just yet, but they did a- reaffirm that that was a program that was going to go ahead. Uh, it does sound like they were going to be able to retroactively use that type of program because there was a lot of product that had to be uh, sold for lower values during COVID. And there was also some money set aside for food banks to essentially pick from a laundry list of items uh, for a particular price. And that was supposed to replace the food box program. Right now, uh, as of specific food, pro- uh, food box, that's supposed to end at the end of April. And then a couple of these programs are going to take over and uh, you could say support the market for some type of time that the uh, U.S. government has not 
necessarily uh, put an end date on so or we, start date. Yeah, so we're still feeling some of the supports from the federal government, but are, in, to to a certain extent, are the are the real markets kicking in? Uh, yeah, we're starting to see. Uh, I mean, we're we're still seeing federal government help, but uh, yeah, absolutely on on the uh, the demand. Uh, we're especially seeing it out of the food service side. I believe I saw a statistic lately that uh, we're still about 20% beneath where we were when COVID started. Um, but that's a that's a far cry from the 60 and 70% that we were that we were under for quite some time. So it's the highest the highest rate of demand we've seen since uh, since COVID started, which is a very very good thing to see. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Hey, let's pivot a little bit. Another issue that uh, a lot of livestock owners, not just dairy, are evaluating and worried about the situation with their feed expense. Boy, every time I see soybean meal go up, I think about the poor fellas and gals that are trying to balance rations and uh, still make the pocketbook work. What are you talking about with uh, dairy farmers on that, Matt? Yeah, so in essence, we're we're really talking about uh, trying to find a spot where they can lock in physical to be completely honest. Um, the problem with, uh, with feed right now is not only is the futures price moving significantly higher, but you also have an issue with basis. Uh, I typically say that basis tells the story, which it generally does. Um, but the big issue really is on the soybean meal side of the equation uh, not only do you have a price that's uh, north of $400 a ton, just slightly above $400 a ton right now, it had been as high as 460 but basis is over the board and over the board by, in certain locations, $10, $20, $30 a ton. And that was only enhanced by the prospective plantings report that came out real recently. Uh, USDA. Uh, basically reported that corn acres in the United States was going to be somewhere in that 91 and a half million acre zone. And most in the trade believe that was going to be anywhere from 93 to 94 million. So from most projections, it was two and a half million uh, short. And then when you looked at soybeans, uh, most were looking for just short of 90 million acres. And that came in at 87.4. Right. So I, we're, we're running out of time, Matt. What should I do? I, I would, I would, especially on the soybean side, I would look at uh, calling up your local supplier and uh, seeing what they have available. Yeah. Um, typically in short years, folks that have, folks that have contracts are the first to get the product. Yeah. And right. that seems to be a little bit of a stretch. So mm. try to get it booked yeah and then see what you can do on the exchange afterwards to hedge the hedge well i appreciate it buddy i'm sorry we're out of time have a great day with your summit that's matt trennell from ever down in platteville remember ever 